Hey, hey, listeners. Welcome to The Extra Unordinary, a podcast where extra people talk on ordinary media like movies, books, comics, music, what have you. I will be your goddess and your guide. My name is Addison, and before we get started, I want to issue a warning that we here at The Extra Unordinary spoil the crap out of everything that we talk about. Please, if you've not watched, if you've not read, if you've not listened, if you've not investigated, or unless you just don't care, please don't listen. There's a lot of drama going on with spoilers, especially with, you know, Marvel movies coming out and just big movies in general. Like, if you don't care, go ahead and listen. But if you do, please stop, watch the movie, read the book. We'll always be here. Thank you. And here we go. And next to me is Steven, my co-host. Hi. Tonight we're going to be discussing Repo, the genetic opera. The film released in limited theaters, uh, seven screens across the U.S. and Canada. It was directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman and written by Terrence Zednick and Darren Smith. It stars Alexa Vega as Shiloh Wallace, Anthony Stewart Head as Nathan Wallace, Paul Sorvino as Roddy Largo, Bill Mosley as Luigi Largo, Paris Hilton as Amber Sweet, Ogre as Poppy Largo, and Sarah Brightman as Blind Mag. It has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very unfair. It's a great movie. It was actually based on a stage play that was previously written and performed by Ter- uh, Terrence and Darren. Yeah, it was. Alright. And we hope that you have seen this movie before. If you haven't, please stop this podcast and go watch it. It's absolutely amazing. It takes place in the year 2056. An epidemic of organ failures has devastated the planet. The megacorporation Genco provides organ transplants on a payment plan. Clients who default on payments are hunted down by repo men, skilled assassins contracted by Genco to repossess organs, usually killing clients in the process. The CEO of Genco, Roddy Largo, discovers he is terminally ill. Roddy's three children, Luigi, Pavi, and Amber, bicker over who will inherit Genco. Roddy believes none of his children are worthy heirs, and he's right, they're garbage fire people. As they consistently embarrass him with their robust attitudes and instead plans to pass on his fortune to Shiloh, the daughter of his ex-fiancee, Marnie. Meanwhile, 17-year-old Shiloh Wallace longs to explore the outside world. She is constantly reminded by her overprotective father, Nathan, that she has inherited a rare blood disease from her deceased mother, Marnie, which requires her to stay indoors. She secretly visits her mother's tomb and runs into Grave Robber, who's digging up bodies to drain Cydrate, a euphoric and extremely addictive painkiller made by Jinko that is secreted from dead bodies. He sells it on the street to keep up with his Jinko payments. Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> After losing consciousness, Shiloh wakes up to find herself at home with Nathan. Nathan prepares for work, not as the doctor as he has led Shiloh to believe he is, but as the head repo man for Jinko. Nathan believes he killed Marnie with the treatment he created for her illness. In truth, 
Roddy poisoned Marnie's medicine behind Nathan's back as revenge for Marnie leaving him. Roddy blackmails Nathan, agreeing agreeing to keep him out of jail and with his then-newborn daughter, Shiloh, if he performs surgical repossessions for the company. Roddy lures Shiloh to Jinko's first annual post-plague Italian Renaissance Fair with the promise of a cure for her blood disease. There, she finds out that the Largo brothers are arguing about their father's will, uh, while their sister harasses blind Mag, Jinko's opera singer and celebrity spokesperson. Mag uses surgically enhanced eyes, but works for Roddy as a result, having been tricked into signing her contract in blood pre-surgery. After introducing her to Mag, Roddy stations his gin turns to guard Shiloh. He then announces that Mag will soon give the last Gene co-sponsored performance of her career. The grave robber helps Shiloh escape the fairgrounds. Um, they hurry through the city, and grave robber encounters several of his customers, including surgery addict Amber Sweet who has skipped the fair she was supposed to speak at, once again publicly embarrassing her father. Under the stupor of the drug, she explains that she will be replacing Blind Mag, and her eyes are repossessed following the opera. After Jean Cops, okay. After Jean Cops arrive, Grave Robber and Shiloh part ways, and she quickly returns to her room before Nathan notices she's gone. Roddy hires Nathan to repossess Mag's eyes, but Nathan refuses. Citing Mag's close relationship to Marnie, he quits his repo job mid-surgery, telling Roddy, I cannot do this job, find someone else. This angers Roddy, and he vows to have Nathan taken out. Mag arrives at Shiloh's house and reveals she is Shiloh's godmother. With a twist. Mag states she is unaware Shiloh is even alive. Nathan having told her she died with her mother. What a twist! She cautions Shiloh not to make the same mistake she did. Nathan arrives home and forces Mag out after she scolds him for lying to her about Shiloh's death. Meanwhile, back at Jinko, Roddy writes down his will, ready to make Shiloh his sole beneficiary with his signature. Roddy phones Shiloh and invites her to the opera, delivering her mother's burial dress for her to wear. Nathan finds the Jean cops searching his basement. They try to arrest Nathan, but he quickly dispatches them and heads to the opera looking for Shiloh. At the opera, Amber takes the stage for her premiere, but her performance is ruined when her face falls off after surgery. That was not very well done. Mag takes to the stage and sings her final song, her swan song. She deviates from the song's grand finale, denouncing the Largo family and gouging her eyes out in a final act of defiance. Roddy cuts the cord, suspending Mag, dropping and impaling her on the fence. Roddy assures everyone that Mag's death is a part of the performance and convinces the audience to stay seated. Shiloh sees a Repo Man arrive and attacks him with a shovel before realizing the Repo Man is her father. On stage, Roddy reveals that Shiloh does not have a blood disease and that Nathan has been making her ill with the medicine he insists that she take. Unable to deal with the loss of Marnie, Nathan explains he was trying to keep Shiloh safe from the world. Approaching Death's door, Roddy tells Shiloh that he will, she will inherit Jinko if she kills her father. When she refuses, Roddy uses the last of his strength to shoot Nathan. Roddy then dies from his terminal illness, and Nathan dies with one last farewell to Shiloh. Shiloh then leaves, deciding that her father's murderous tendencies 
do not dictate her future and that she is free at last to live her own life. Since she didn't kill her father, though, Roddy has not signed his will and Jinko does not belong to her. In the epilogue, Grave Robber claims that Shiloh fled, leaving Jinko with no legal heir. A mid-credit scene reveals that Amber became Jinko's new CEO and promised to change the repossession policy. So Steven, I want you to tell listeners about your history with this movie. My history with this movie? Yes. Um, well, a friend of my mother's introduced us to it when I was like... You had to be 15 or 16. Yeah. And we originally had no idea what it was, but she was obsessed with it. We watched it with her, and subsequently me and my mom got obsessed with it. And me and my mother watched this movie every night for like a month straight. My dad was sick of it. (laughs) And so I just kind of, from that point on, grew up watching it several times a year, at least. And then when me and Addison became friends... We watched it, and she'd seen it before. But I didn't really remember it that well. Oh no, I was really sick as a teenager when I saw it. And then we just kind of re-obsessed, and we watched it at least once a week. If not more. Yeah. For like three months. Every time we hung out. It was a staple. It was. It was like the main binding of our friendship. So this is a very special podcast. It is a very special podcast because we are podcasting about something that brought us closer together as friends yes how do you feel about this movie it's definitely one of my favorites like the whole my favorites too like the whole time we were going through the summary like every time we hit a specific point i could like hear the songs in my head (laughs) but the summary was going so fast they just like kept cutting off halfway through (laughs) and then i realized it's been too long since i've watched it and i need to watch it It's so good. The music is amazing. The aesthetic is amazing. It's gory, but it's not. It's cheesy. Yeah, it's very obviously fake. Yeah. It's not something that's going to, I think, scare off people who are easily scared. Yeah, because it's it's more like I would say more gore than horror, but it's still not. It's not overbearing. Not a scary movie. It's, it's a good movie, but it's not a scary movie. Like Steven, this movie is one of my absolute favorites. Everything about it, I just love to bits and pieces. I've watched all the featurettes. I've watched the commentaries. I watched this movie quite a lot. When my power went out about six months back, I couldn't access Netflix. So I kept this movie on repeat every night for four nights before my power came back on. I was thinking it was a national tragedy that you couldn't use Netflix (laughs) because it would be a national tragedy for me. What is the biggest thing that you take from this movie, Stephen? I definitely take a sense in the fact that healthcare capitalizes. Yeah, (laughs) it does. it's, It's very spot on to the point that, you know, a lot of people that are in healthcare are in it for the wrong reason, which is not to help people. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's basically add more to the economy. It's not even like people in healthcare. It's more like a commentary on insurance companies and how they take advantage of people. It really is. Because, I mean, even if you have insurance, even if you're well off, like, medical care is expensive. Oh, my God. Whether it's, you know, primary, you know, 
Fun fact, this movie takes place in Canada. It does. Where they have really good health insurance. Where their health that, insurance... That's terrifying if this happened in the States. So, <laughs> America is ashes in this movie, probably. Probably. And you have someone who is a CEO of a large company having his children work below him who aren't competent. Hmm. Basically running the whole government and the hmm. whole country. Hmm. Well, thinking. And just like real life, it's bullshit. <laughs> but back to healthcare, it's just such a satirical take on just healthcare and insurance in general. Because it's a very sad fact in America. If you do not have healthcare, you will die. And I mean, even if you do, it's going to cost you. Yeah, like, I would rather have my organs repossessed than make, like, a $500,000 medical debt. But it also, it was also touched on in the movie that some people just had it done because. Yeah. Like, it was a luxury. luxury. Yeah, I mean, it kept some people alive, but for others it was cosmetic. Yeah, like. Oh, check out my fancy new liver, guys. I can drink as much as I want. I killed the last one, but I got a new one. It's all good. Yeah, and I do think that's a good point at good take on wealth inequality. Because there are people who are going to die without new organs, getting the putting themselves in massive debt and, you know, dying because they can't make their payments. And at the other end of the spectrum, there is an elite group of people who get surgery all the time. It's not a big deal to them. Enter Amber Sweet. Enter Amber Sweet. Amber Sweet is addicted to the knife. Addicted to the knife? Addicted to the knife. Um, and Zydrate. And Zydrate. Which comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was actually quoting one of the songs. Zydrate Anatomy. Songs yeah, it's a really good song. Uh, like it was mentioned in the summary, Zydrate is a very, very addictive. addictive. However, this, this still keeps in line with the healthcare thing because Zydrate is a painkiller and it's also used to put people under so they don't feel anything people when they're having their surgery it. and it's highly addictive. And Which there's even ties street into forms. The current opioid epidemic. Exactly. You know, people have to get pain management now because you're like, oh, well, if there's something really wrong with your back and you're not just hitting me up for drugs, then you'll go through all of these hoops and you'll go through this physical therapy <laughs> because there are so many people that get addicted and doctors just won't prescribe it anymore. Oh, yeah. It is so hard to get painkillers. I know people who are just suffering and suffering and suffering from chronic pain, and they can they don't get anything other over eight hundred milligrams of ibuprofen, which kills your liver and kidneys. Which kills your liver and kidneys. But um, and it's you know it's even stated like that you can't use Zydrate from an unlicensed source, which means like you couldn't share Zydrate, none of the street Zydrate. And like it was stated in the summary, Zydrate is extracted from dead bodies. That's the kind of Zydrate that's illegal. Yeah. Which I think is quite fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, because then you're just into a whole other ball game there. Yeah. Robbing graves, defiling dead bodies, then selling that for your own profit. Like, yeah, that's, to that's be fair, he does it to pay off his debt. Which he wouldn't have to do if they didn't cost an arm and a leg. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of that one. I'm proud of you too. I wonder if they could do that. Take just an arm and a leg? Yeah. Like, hey, if you let me keep this liver, you can take my legs. Because, <laughs> you know, like, sometimes when you set up a payment plan for things, they have they have flexible payment plans that help work with you if you can't pay them. So if they had one of those, then yeah, you could just trade off a less important organ, like your ears. <laughs> Could you still keep your hole? You still want to be able to hear. Oh, your ear hole. I was like, what hole are you talking about? <laughs> it's okay, guys. Just take my asshole. I don't need it. Who needs to poop? Where were we? Holes. <laughs> A car's- the ear holes, not the movie. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about... How they should have a flexible payment option where you can barter like barter other eggs. Barter less important organs. I was gonna say your appendix, but I mean chances are if you don't need your appendix, no one else needs theirs. So that is a removable organ. It is a removable organ. You'd think evolution would catch on. Unlike the spleen, which fairly odd parents made me grow up thinking could be removed. <laughs> and it cannot. You need your spleen, guys. <laughs> Is that from the Walt Kidney episode? I think so. When they go I think and it is. ride the spleen coaster or some shit? I don't know. I think... I know Cosmo had, like, his spleen removed. Allegedly. 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 He's a fairy. He is a fairy, but if he doesn't need a spleen, why does he have one? I guess the same reason we have an appendix and don't need one. <laughs> your gallbladder. That one's removable at a cost. Part of your brain. I don't use all mine. And I'm probably only using about like one eighth of mine at any given point. So <laughs> That's a good thing. If Steven could use his whole brain, he'd probably take over the world. I probably would. I would simultaneously be Pinky and the brain. <laughs> We're getting derailed. A big portion of this movie deals with Nathan, Shiloh's father, not being able to move on from the death of his wife, Marnie, 17 years prior when Shiloh was born. Which I get, because it's really tragic and, and terrible. And he thought he killed her all that time. So. Yeah, he thought he killed her. Does he die thinking that? I think he dies thinking that he killed her. Oh my god. <laughs> Mind blown. I don't know. I'm gonna have to rewatch that now. Yeah. Because I feel like it was brought up and it's been a while. So. I think it was just brought up that Nathan was poisoning Shiloh. Not that Roddy poisoned Marnie. So, Steven. Yes. Hi. I'm Steven. <laughs> I am Steve. Just Steve. He's trying his best. All right, Steven. Would you like to talk about your experience with grief? Oh, Marnie. <laughs> um. Um. Well, it hasn't even been a year since my grief started, so it's still pretty fresh. Most of it's a lot of denial 
and ignoring things. <laughs> Do you want to talk about what happened? Um, I very, very suddenly lost my pregnant aunt, who I grew up with more like a sister to me. Uh, we were very close in age, and my grandmother homeschooled both of us. She moved all the way across the country, and um, just suddenly passed away at almost nine months pregnant. So that was really shocking. Um, the yeah. grief... Because you not only lost your aunt, you lost... A cousin and a sister. And a sister. And... A future in-law. Yeah. We don't really care about him. We don't we don't talk about him. We don't really talk about him much. Um so basically like when it first happens it's like disbelief, you know. Yeah, I remember the phone call. Yeah, like I literally hung up the phone with my mom, called Addison, hung up the phone with Addison and then had to check my call history because I thought I was imagining the whole thing. Um it makes you feel crazy. It makes you feel confused. Um, and like to this day, I still have a lot of denial. Like I'll think like I should contact her. You know, I, I should give her, I should shoot her a text. Um, I got a tattoo like kind of like in her honor and I got it and I was like, I can't wait to show Stephanie. And then I was like, oh, um, oops. <laughs> I, I had a moment when I was sitting in the tattoo chair thinking, Oh my god, what if she's not dead? Why am I getting this for nothing? And that's just like the place that my brain goes, even though I know for a fact. You know, so I get... I can get why he's probably so, like, lost about it. People do crazy ass things when they love somebody. Yeah. And then, you know, to imagine... Losing them. It's safe to assume that Nathan thought Marnie was his entire world. Yeah. And then on top of that, now you've lost your partner, your wife, and you're left with the broken pieces. You know, a freshly born baby, a dead wife. You don't have time to grieve. A shitty job. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) A shitty job. Like. I mean, he gets to travel to nice places and then get covered in blood in the process you know kill people for a living lock them up lock them up and And boom (laughs) no No one one likes likes a thankless thankless job i mean it is seriously like because you know the whole time i was thinking and it just kind of hit me you know that oh my god it's been 17 years dude get over it and then like no how, c- how can he get over it when he's having to raise the kid on his own? He hasn't yeah. had time to grieve properly. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's no wonder <laughs> that he's still so messed up from it. You know, a good part that helps people grieve is having a support system. He doesn't really he, have that because he is the support system. He is. I mean, he's the sole caretaker of Shiloh. He has a job. You know, it's never mentioned that there's any friends or other family. And he shut the godmother, Blind Mag, out completely. Let her believe Shiloh was dead. So any kind of support network and assistance that he could have had, he denied. Yeah. So. So Nathan just 
can't move on. He's a dumpster of grief. He is a dumpster fire of grief. I've personally never really dealt with grief in the way that Steven has. It sucks. I don't recommend it. I don't really have a choice. Yeah. Unless, like... I mean, no one really does. I die tomorrow. I shouldn't say that to you. I was going to say, if you die tomorrow, then you're not going to be the one grieving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah, that one needs more thought. (laughs) I don't know if I want to cut that out doesn't matter. Two halves of a whole idiot. Two halves of a whole idiot. Also two halves of a whole gay. Yes, also true. I'm the gayer half. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. Nathan can't move on from Marnie. Neither can Roddy. Nope. She got with him, got her friend some new eyes, and then left him for one of his workers. Which we don't blame her, because Nathan's hot and a doctor. I mean, to be fair, though... I think a CEO makes more than a doctor, depending on the company. Doctors are smarter than CEOs. Eh. Depends on the company. And the doctor. (laughs) And the doctor. Um, And Roddy just can't move on. And with this discovery of his terminal illness, I think it further cements that he's not over Marty and has not been for like... 17 years. 17, 18 years. There's a part in the movie where uh, Nathan and Marnie are getting married and Roddy is next to them and he's just seething in rage. I mean, you leave you leave somebody to marry someone else and then you invite them to your wedding. Like, that's pretty shitty. That is such a baller move. <laughs> like, oh yeah, man. I'm Mr. Studio Girl. I'm a marrier and you're gonna be my best man. <laughs> Oh my god. I won't take no for an answer. What if Nathan and Roddy were friends? I I seriously think they were. I think they were bros and Nathan broke the bro code. He chose hoes before bros. You don't do that. Marnie was hot. Like in a homely way. (laughs) (laughs) I would break the bro code to get away from Roddy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. He's kind of terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she had her reasons, but yeah, there's just, like, so many unanswered questions that we'll never know the answer to. (laughs) Honestly, Roddy probably drives himself to an early grave because he just can't move on, has so much anger, doesn't really take good care of himself. You know, there's this part where he's, you know, putting on his wig and covering up sores with makeup. He's just rough looking. Which is, it's kind of odd to me. That he has a terminal illness, but he literally runs a company that can replace anything. Technically, that should be the key to immortality. Like, you should just be able to pop in new organs and keep living. Yeah, but what if it's, like, the cells in your body that are infected? Fair. That's fair. I didn't think about that. You can't really replace the cells in your body. No, I mean, they're constantly dying and repairing and... Yeah. But if there's something wrong with the way that they do that, then yeah. Good point. <laughs> I thought I had found the flawless loophole of immortality. Just keep replacing your organs. 
And if I create, if I accidentally create some like organ stealing serial killer from this podcast, I'm so sorry, world. That was my bad. Roddy and Nathan both die fighting over a girl. That's how I want to go out. Not really. That's how we probably will go out. You you starting something? You want to go? Fight me. I'll kick you in the Harvard boobs. <laughs> anyway, back on track. Nathan and Roddy die because they were fighting over a girl. And the grave robber says in an exasperated voice at the end of the movie, Why can't we all just move on? Because we all end up in a tiny pine box. And a mighty small drop. And a mighty dark plot. And the mighty fine print. The trip to our epilogue. Epilogue? So, why can't we all just move on? Why Why do people in general have such a hard time with moving on? We salty. We salty as hell. All these flavors and you choose to be salty. Yep. And I mean, it, some of it boils down to human nature. Yeah. You know, humans are programmed to be greedy. Yeah. And when people take what we want or people have what we want and we don't have it, it sits with us. And some of us are more positive people and we can. Yeah, I mean, out of us, who is more positive and who is more negative? <laughs> um, pass. <laughs> I think we're both about equally what we move on from. Yeah. Versus, like, we handle it pretty much in the same way, but it's different stuff that we have easier time. Yeah. It's fair. And I'll be honest, moving on for me was hard until, like, probably six months ago, four yeah. months ago. More toward the beginning of this year, end of last year. Yeah. I wonder what happened. Hmm. Who knows? It's a mystery. What a twist. Whereas for me, it's always just kind of been hit or miss. Like... I'm really bad about holding grudges. And that's you because really when my are. feelings are hurt, they're hurt. Yeah. there's It's not easy to repair them. Now, I do forgive and give second chances, but I have forgiven. I have gotten over stuff. But there's just, like, some things that don't sit in a way that they can be easily repaired. And eventually, they hurt less, but I'm still like, ugh, I hate that person. How dare they hurt me? Like <laughs> Ikea furniture. Ugh. <laughs> Damn you, Ikea. Bastards. KFC. War flashbacks. KFC. War flashbacks. Alright, let's talk about isolation. Shiloh is very isolated from the world. That's it. That's the podcast. You guys can go home. We talked about isolation. <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she really is, though. She... Is literally in every sense kept in her room, which is not the room of a seventeen-year-old. It's got like teddy bears, her dead bug collection. I mean, it's my perfect aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, the only her only source to the outside world is a window yeah. where she can see Blind Mag perform at the opera. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Like, that's all she Her first do. friend out into the world is Grave Robber, which she doesn't really remember meeting. She thought it was a dream. Yeah, and then she met him again, and he's, you know, like a drug peddler. Not necessarily... Friendship material. Yeah, not the ideal not the first ideal friend situation. in the new world. 
No offense to drug peddlers. No. I'm sure you guys are great people. But yeah, I mean, she doesn't have friends. She didn't go to school. She can't really talk to her dad, even. No, he's really closed off. But I can fix him. You can't fix him, Addison. Anthony Stewart Head <laughs> is not Nathan Wallace for real. I can fix him. You go for it. Follow Ask your dreams. Ask me how that went the last 20 times. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you have, so you have her who's basically forced to be isolated. Yeah, and then you have the Largo children who are isolated in a different way because I don't think they really get out and chill with other people. They're self-centered. They're very self-centered. They're very selfish. Narcissistic. Yes. All of them. Pavi has a mirror. Which he is always looking in. Yeah. Amber Sweet is constantly changing her appearance to suit herself, including changing her name. And Luigi. Who's just Luigi. He's stabby. He's stabby. (laughs) He's very stabby. He's quite stabby. And, you know, rage issues. Very much rage issues. Me in 10 years. No. (laughs) I'm not going to get stabby, I swear. And then... Nathan's isolated as well. He's He's isolated by choice. Yeah, he is. He can reach out to people. There are people I feel would love to talk with him. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like I mentioned before with Mag, he could have had her yeah. around to and help. But Mag he is isolated to. as well. She doesn't have anybody she can talk to besides, well, yeah. the Largo children, which are trash humans, as we've established. <laughs> Dumpster fire human beings. You know, she thought her godchild was dead. The father wouldn't talk to her. Her best friend's dead. And then the only other relationship that she has is with a man who is forcing her to sell her entire livelihood for eyes yeah so everybody's kind of isolated yeah the only one who's isn't really as isolated as everyone else grave robber and that's just because he has people who buy his drugs yeah i can't imagine much i think he might be the only extroverted person in that (laughs) yeah Entire cast. And, I mean, honestly, I don't know if you consider it extroverted. Extroverted. He's just making a living. He is charismatic. He is. He's kind of creepy. Yeah. I mean, he hits on Shiloh, who's 17. Yeah. And we don't know how old the grave robber is, but presumably... Probably 30s. More than 17. <laughs> He's at least more than 17. <laughs> um... Yeah, so yeah, like everyone. And then Roddy's isolated because his children are shit. Yeah. And, you know. I assume they had a mother at some point and she's gone. You know, whether she died or it was divorce, never touched on. Or whether she was killed. Hmm. Probably by any of them. And then Marnie leaves him for someone it's pretty safe to assume as, like, one of his close friends and allies. Yeah, and then he kills her. Basically forces Nathan into the same kind of contract he's got Mag in. Like, yeah. hey, you're this your whole life now. And then when he finally tries to reach out and make a connection with someone else, it's out of spite and out selfishness. Spite and revenge. Like, he doesn't care about Shiloh at all. He doesn't. And, I mean, then the only other reasons were selfish, because he didn't want his company to go... To the Largo children, because they didn't... They they don't need that kind of power. No. Yeah. I think that was pretty much all of the topics. Even ten years later, after this movie was released, I think it's just as relevant as ever, ever. It is. 
you know, with the Trump administration and the way he's running it. Who even knows if he'll still be president president when this airs, but God does not love me enough to make him not. <laughs> Fuck you, Trump. Let's just say there is no God if Trump is president. <laughs> <laughs> say that into the mic. There is no God if Trump is president. Accurate. I mean, it's still relevant. It's a cult classic at this point. They do shadow, shadow cast, like Rocky Horror Picture Show. They do. Like, I know people who get repo tattoos. Still gotta do that. We still have to do that. I thought we were gonna do, not the Zydrate. Oh, we did talk about that. <laughs> I don't, don't take a lip from a slut. And sister should fuck. Poppy, shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. We have quoted at least three songs. <laughs> it's a musical. It's a lot more. It is a musical. I don't know if we mentioned that before. I guess we should mention that because if you're not a musical per- even if you're not a musical person, it's how guy. could you not like this movie? It's a rock opera. Yeah. Like there's like, not I know a lot of talking. Who hate musicals yeah. and love this movie. And there's not a lot of talking because it is an opera. Yeah, it's not a it musical. Is set up like an opera. But it has it is- three acts. It's mostly sung. There's not really a lot of talking, as Stephen said. And it's, you know, it's rock. It's really catchy music. Yeah, it's not... It's very contemporary. It's very fresh and something you might not hear every day. Yeah, but I mean, and it's just... Uh, it's so good. <laughs> like, I don't have many words. It's just so good. It's really good. And we hope that because you're listening to this... That you've already watched it, but if you haven't... Go watch it. Go do it. It's really good. I'm peer pressuring you. Do it. Be cool. <laughs> Alright. Is that all we want to add? Yeah, no, I I think we actually, I think that was very productive. I think we covered everything we needed to and more. Yeah. And if you still know what it's about, watch it. That's, you won't regret watching it. You will not. If you I'm, haven't watched it. Unless you have... A queasy stomach. I mean, some people can't like the gore. And the gore's it's not, not a that lot bad. of gore, but some people just don't like blood at all. It's so. striking. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was our first podcast. The inaugural podcast. All right. Once again, I'm Addison. And I'm Steven. Ooh.